Well, I want to welcome you again uh, here to First Methodist Mansfield. My name is Dave, and I serve as one of the pastors here. And especially if this is your first time here with us in any of our worship venues this weekend, we're delighted to have you uh, as our guest today. If we can serve or bless you in any way, if you have any questions, we'd love for you to stop by uh, the connecting point located right outside your worship space uh, at the end of our, of our service. Um, if you were not here last week, uh, I hope you've had a chance uh, to see the first message in this series, uh, What's Next?, uh, we did something really different last week. We had one unified service, and if you were a part of it, um, I, I hope you were blessed by that. I certainly was. By the uh, our music team did an, a tremendous job. It was a it was a beautiful time of worship, and uh, you've probably already heard about the announcement that was shared at the end of that that Pastor Mike shared with you. If you didn't, we we did a recap uh, at the beginning uh, of our mess of our of our worship time today, and I just want to share with you before I begin a, a few thoughts of. Uh, from me about how I feel about that and what I want to share with you. The first thing I want you to know is that I feel this weekend the same way I felt last weekend and the weekend before that and the weekend before that and all the weekends going back to February of 2005 when I first came to this church. And I remember that first weekend getting to, to be there and worship and, and the thoughts that I had that day was, wow, I get to be a part of this. That's really cool. I mean, that's how I felt that first weekend, just overwhelmed, like, wow, I get to play a part in what this amazing thing is doing, and I, and I still feel that way. I'm, I'm honored to serve as, as one of your pastors. I'm honored to serve as a, as a member of a pastoral team that I think is some of the finest men and women uh, serving as pastors in any, any Methodist church in the entire country. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of that. Uh, and I'm honored to share with you this weekend and next weekend a little bit more of what is next. What, what I want to share with you is where I think God is taking us and to share with you from a different perspective, from a new perspective for me as, uh, as your senior pastor of where I feel like God is leading us in the future. And here's what I hope happens over the course of these two weeks. I hope a couple things happen for you. First, I hope that you are excited. I hope that as we share a little bit of where we feel like God is taking us and where we might be in 10 years, that you will see that vision and you will get a bit of, ex you'll get excited about that, about where God is not only going to take us together as a family of faith, but also that you will be energized by the idea of where God is going to take you over the next decade of your life. I hope that at the end of this two weeks, you feel confident, not only confident in the transition that we've shared with you, I want you to feel good about that, obviously, but also confident that we as a family of faith are doing all that we can to make sure that we're becoming the church that God wants us to be, that we're living into God's dreams for who we are as a family of faith, and I hope that you have clarity. I hope that at the end of this, you have clarity, not only uh, who we are, but who we intend to be as we move forward into our future. And in order for that to happen, in order for us to really have clarity on, on, on that, who we are, our identity, what, what we're about, rather than jumping ahead and talking about where we're going, I'm going to spend most of next week doing that. I want to spend this week talking about where we have been who we have been for over 130 years in this area. That's how old this, this church is. That's how far our roots go back. Who we have been, what drives us, and why we exist as a family of faith. And I first want to tell you about why. I think that's important to start with the why. What drives us and why we exist. One of the things that I get to do as a pastor that's really neat is I get to be present with people in some of the most significant moments of their life. And it's a great honor. It's, it's a, it is so cool to be able to do 
do that. One of those moments that I love being a part of is a wedding. Now, if you have been a part of a wedding recently, if it was your wedding or your child's wedding or, or, or you, you played some part in that, you may be surprised to hear me say that because you know that weddings can be stressful events. They, they can be. I mean, sometimes that's where it ends up, but they're also incredibly sacred moments. I mean, one of the things that I share with couples is, is the words that they share in that moment. They're some of the most significant words they will ever share in their entire life. And I get the best seat in the house for it. I mean, that's pretty cool to be there, to be a witness to that moment when, when, when people commit their lives to one another. And as a part of that process, one of the things that, that pastors do is they meet with couples for what we call pre-marriage counseling. Let me tell you what pre-marriage counseling is. Pre-marriage counseling is preparing for the wedding. So what are we going to do? Who's going to walk down? What, how many people are in the wedding? Where are you going to stand? All that kind of stuff, the details that people worry about. And then offering what we hope are some insights into what might bless uh, this couple at the very beginning of their marriage. Now, because I do a lot of weddings and I do a lot of premarriage counseling, I do a lot of premarriage counseling with really young couples. Now, here's what I mean by young. I mean they're, they're the same age I was when I got married, and probably the same age you were when you got married, but you can't help but look at them and go, oh, Lord, I hope, I know, I hope they know what they're doing. You know what I mean? You just look at them, and you're like, they're so young. They were just babies, and now they're getting married, and you just can't help but look at them and go, boy, I hope they know what they're doing. I hope they know what they're getting themselves into. And if you think that, if you look at couples, if you go to weddings, and that thought enters your head, here's why. Because you have been married and you have recognized that being married is a lot harder than you think it's going to be when you are getting married, right? You have a sense that this is a lot harder than, than it is when you are getting married. And so you won't be surprised to hear that in the context of pre-marriage counseling, these young couples say the most naive, silly things. And if you were there, if you were fly on a wall, on the wall, you could not, you, you, it would take every ounce of strength in your body to not go, oh, you think he's so romantic. Oh, he always helps out. Oh, she thinks everything you do is great. I mean, you would just, you'd want to jump in there because some of the things that they say are just so naive. They don't know what's coming up. Because when, you, when you're young and you're entering into that new covenant, you are incredibly naive and you have no idea what you're about to face. So here's the wisdom that I share with couples. Are you ready? This is amazing. This is what I say. I say, here's what you need to know. You are incredibly naive and you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. I tell them that. But I also say this, that's okay. That's okay. There's a lot of things that you don't know. There are a lot of things that you don't know, but there is something that you do know. There is something that you have crystal clear clarity on at this stage of your relationship. You know why you're getting married. Now, for some of those, let's just be honest, for some of those, the why needs to be expanded a little bit. You know, I mean, they need a, a broader perspective on the why that would lead that. Like, happily ever after, it needs to be more than that, right? Like, and that's what we do in pre-marriage counseling. We talk about the why and, and what it means to expand the why to something broader than just your own happiness and, and your own need. But, but when you meet with a pastor to talk about where you're going to stand and what you're going to do and all the things that are a part of a wedding, you know why you're getting Married, and that's actually a really powerful thing. And I didn't know that until I started doing marriage counseling. 
And I started meeting with couples who were trying to deal with some of the the setbacks and hurts that they experienced in their life. And what I recognized is is that among all the other things that they were dealing with their life, one of the core issues was they just couldn't remember why. They'd just forgotten why they got into this in the the first place. Here's, Here's a more simple way of saying it, that we lose our way when we lose our why. And, and what I want to suggest to you is in your personal life, in your married life, in, in, in your business professional life, the, the company that you own, the business that you work for, and even in the church that you attend, we lose our way when we lose our why. When we forget why we started in the first place, why we we're engaged in this thing, why we care about this thing, when we, when we lose our why, we very, very quickly lose our So I want to talk about the why. What is it about us that drives us, that that energizes us? What is this this whole thing about? Why do we exist? And I hope that everything that you hear, I hope it's all review. I hope you go, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what what we believe. But it's critical as we look forward and we move move forward and think about where God is taking us, what our direction is going to be, to pause and remember why. Why do we do the things that we do? So here's three things, and I hope you'll, I hope you'll write these things down. The first, uh, the first why, the first driving thing behind everything that we do is that we believe that every person matters to God. We believe that every person matters to God. I was 16 years old at church camp. It was the last night, and it was a dark and stormy night, which I know sounds very ominous to start the story that way, but it was, in fact, a dark and stormy night. The way I know that was we weren't having the pool party that we were supposed to be having that night, the the traditional way of ending camp. Instead, there were several hundred kids who were gathered in a room while the adults were trying to figure out what to do with all the disappointed teenagers who weren't having the pool party that was the normal way of ending church camp uh, at, at that particular at that particular camp. And I remember looking up at the front and seeing those adults and you know you could just see the panic on their face like there's going to be a mutiny, you know, real quick. They're going to be they're going to turn on us real quick and and I remember it, 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 one of those individuals who was there in that in that little huddle, he just he walked over to the microphone and he began to talk to us. And he told us a little bit about what was happening, that there was a storm, and, that, and this is how long they expected it to last and it was going to be quite some time and so he said, "So we got some time here." And he said, "So I want to share with you my story." Now, this guy had been preaching to us all week long, and, and, and again, I'm 16 years old, I'm listening to this guy, and, and over the course of those days leading up to that night, what I had kind of walked away from was, maybe this guy has something I need to listen to. Like for, and for a 16-year-old, like that's, that's a win. Like if the 16-year-old can say, maybe this person has something that I would listen to, that's a, that's a win. He had softened the ground, if you will, in, 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 my, in my listening to him and, and wondering if he might have something to share with me that would mean something to me in my life. But in that, in that unprompted moment, as he began to share his story, and he did so for the next 25 or 30 minutes, I don't know how long it took, I can't remember that, as he began just to share his story with us about, about how he had become a follower of Jesus, something clicked for me. Now, he didn't share anything new with me. There was, there was nothing that I hadn't shared before. I was, a, I was a preacher's kid, so for every weekend leading up to that, I mean, I'd pretty much spent my life in church. I had been to Sunday school class. I was pretty good at Bible drills. You know, I mean, I, I won every time. I, I, I knew everything that he had shared with me. I knew it in my head. But something clicked that night, 
And I understood something in a way I'd never understood it before. And what he helped me to see and what, 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 what changed my life that night was simply the, the thought, David, you matter to God. You matter to God. Now, I knew that. I mean, I, I, I intellectually understood that idea that people matter to God. But for some reason that night, that thought pierced my soul. And so though I had been in church my entire life and, and, and had lots of knowledge about what this book was and what it was about, that night was the night that I surrendered my life to Jesus because that night it became clear to me that, that not only do people matter to God, but I'm a person too and, and God feels that way about me. And we believe that God feels that way about every single person. I want you to hear this very carefully. We believe that God is interested in the salvation and the full restoration of every human heart and life. And because of this belief, this why that guides us, this energy that drives us, because of the depth of our soul conviction, our individual lives and the life we share together as a family of faith cannot help but be oriented away from ourselves to others who may not yet know how much they are loved and valued by their creator. Because we believe uh, that every single person matters to God and we exist for the purpose of sharing that good news. And every single thing that we do every weekend when we gather together in worship is not only about blessing those who may call this place home, but also about making sure that people who walk in for the first time know that this is a place that can be their home too. And everything we do is geared around that. Everything that you experience on this campus is geared towards that goal of making sure that others know there is room for you and you matter to God. But that's not the only thing that we do because of this why. This why also drives us beyond the boundaries of this physical space in our own everyday life, but also in our life together. It's what sends us to Fort Worth, to Unity Park, to, to take care of and feed a homeless community. It's what sends us into our own local community to build a wheelchair ramp for an, for an elderly member here in, in the Mansfield area. It's, it's what sends us and drives us to be a part of restoring lives of orphans on the other side of the world. It is a why that drives us in every single thing that we do. Our conviction that God loves and every single person matters to God. But here's what you got to hear. Here's what you have to understand. You have to understand, and I know this is going to sound a little bit judgmental. I don't mean it to be. It's going to sound harsh. I don't mean it to be. It's just a fact. It's something that pastors know. It's something that pastors see, and it's something that we should simply be honest about. Not every church believes that. I want you to hear that. I know it sounds harsh. It sounds judgmental. I'm not going to give you a list of churches. That's not my intent in, in sharing that with you. But I want you to understand that not every church believes that. They may say it. But not every church believes that. Not every church lives that out. And there's lots of reasons for that. But often the reason is simply this, that those within the church care more about themselves than they do about those who are outside it. And that's just a reality. 
of church world. That's just a reality of, 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 of what happens in, in, in churches around the nation. But here's what I want you to hear from me. Someone who's been here for 10 years, that has never, ever, ever been you. It's never been you. It's never been you. I can't think of a situation. I can't think of a circumstance. I can't think of a conversation that I've had with anyone in our church over the course of the last 10 years that would reflect a church that doesn't believe this. You believe this. And you live this. This is part of the why that drives us in every single thing that we do, that every person matters to God. A couple of weeks ago, I was doing one of those weddings for one of the young couples in our church, a great young couple who has a great why, great Christian couple. And I was visiting with the, the father, the bride beforehand, and he was talking about this church, been a member here for, for many, many years. And, and he said, you know, I've, I've been there for a long time, had, had no idea where we were going with this series, but he said, you know, I've been there a long time. He said, I was a part of a few churches before that. He said, you know, I don't think our church understands how unique it is. I don't think our church understands how special it is. And he said, I can tell you why it is. I can tell you why I think we are the way that we are. He said, you know, for, he's been here 30 years. He said, for the time that I've been in this church, he, he, he said, we have always had great leadership. We've had a pastor who's reminded us of, of what we need to be about and, and lay leadership that has held us accountable to that. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that that you have had for two decades a leader who has reminded you over and over and over again that our life cannot just be about us, but our life has to be about every person because every single person matters to God. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. The second thing is that following Jesus is the best way to live. It's one of our convictions, one of our beliefs that drives us in every single thing that we do. Now, that's not the same thing as saying that following Jesus is the easiest way to live. If you want an easy way to live, I can give you lots of other choices. That's not following Jesus. Following Jesus is very different from that. We believe it is the best way to live. It is a way of challenge. It is a way of sacrifice. It is a way of calling us beyond ourselves and our own needs. Here's how Jesus says it. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Here's how I heard a pastor say it recently. The Christian faith is not about self-improvement, but the Christian faith is about self-denial. It's moving us away from our tendency to want to preserve life to moving to a place where we want to give away our life. Following Jesus is not an easy way to live, but it is the best way to live. In John 10, Jesus says this as he talks about his why, the energy behind his life, not only what had led him into the world, but what was directing him in his way forward. He talked about himself as the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. But, but this is what Jesus says in John 10, 10. He says, he says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And there's lots of ways of living that steal from you. And will end up destroying your life. But he says, I have come. I have come that may have life and they may have life to the full. Now this may sound overly simplistic, but I want you to hear this. I think God really cares about the way we live our lives. I think it's a big deal. It's a big deal. The decisions that we make every single day, the, the behaviors that we take on as, as the way we live our life, it's a big deal the way we live our life because Jesus wants to lead us in the way that leads to the abundance, the full, the significant, the meaningful 
life. God's relationship with us isn't like a parent with an, uh, an overbearing parent with a clipboard making sure that you check off all the right things to do, but rather a parent who wants nothing but the best for you who desires nothing but blessing for you, who, who leads you in a path that may not be easy, it may create incredible challenge in your life, but a life that will end up at a life of significance, a life of meaning, a life of real abundance. I'll give you an example. So in two weeks, I'm gonna get on a plane here in Dallas, I'm gonna fly to Washington, D.C., I'm going to spend a little bit of time there in the Washington, D.C. airport, because that sounds like fun. And then I'm going to get on a plane, and I'm going to fly to Ethiopia. And then from Ethiopia, I'm going to get another plane, and I'm going to fly into Rwanda. Now, I'm, I'm excited about the trip. I mean, I've never been to Rwanda. It's not on, you know, on my vacation list from when I was a child. I didn't go there before, I, but it looks, it's a beautiful country. I'm excited to see it. But I'll tell you one of the things I'm not excited about. I am not excited about flying to Washington, D.C., and then getting on another plane and flying to Ethiopia, and then getting on another plane and flying from Ethiopia to Rwanda. I don't really like flying. I mean, that's not on my bucket list of things that I like. Oh, I just love sitting in a metal tube for 10 hours. No, that is not what I like to do. And I'll tell you what else I don't like. I do not like the idea that my children and my wife will be here and I will be way over there. I don't like that. I mean, that just, that's not comfortable for me. That makes me a little anxious. I'd, I'm not excited about that part, but I'm going and nine other Christians are going and we're all going for one and only one reason because we think God wants us to go. We're convinced of that. God wants us to go. God wants us to go see those kids that we have been blessing and serving and who are doing incredible things to, to rebuild their own life through our partnership that we have with Zoe. That's why we're going. Because, it's, because we believe that God has called us. God, God wants us to go. That's, that's where God wants us to be. And so we're going to go. Now, we're not going alone. It's not just me getting on a plane going. We're going together, and that's not a coincidence. Because if you're going to live out the life that God has called you to live, if you're going to follow Jesus, if, if you're going to live up to this incredible standard that he sets of, of, of save, uh, in order to save your life, you have to lose it. If you're going to do that, you can't do that on your own. And I can't do that on my own. Because I don't have the courage, I don't have the faith, I don't have the capacity to do the things that Jesus needs me to do. Sometimes I need to borrow yours. And you need to borrow mine. And that's what it means to be a church. That's what it means to share life together. That's what it means to live in a community, to encourage, to equip, to, to inspire, to nurture, to, to bless one another so that we can live out this dream that God has for us so that we can follow Jesus and live the best way that we can. Here's the third thing. That life is a precious gift that is too easily wasted. Life is a precious gift that is too easily wasted. If you were to ask me, what is the one thing that you have learned in, in sharing life with people as a pastor? And what is the most heartbreaking thing that you have learned in sharing life as a pastor? It's this, that life is a precious gift that is too easily wasted. And I've seen it too many times. I've been a part of the conversation too many times, and every time I'm a part of it, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to see people who are on a path that leads to life, and for whatever reason, they choose to take a different path. They make a decision that moves them in a different way, and they find themselves at a destination they never intended to go. 
And it's only then that they realize that, that life is a precious gift and, and I'm on the verge of wasting it. It breaks my heart and it makes me angry. Not angry at them, not angry at, at whatever mistake they may have made that may have be costing them dearly, but it makes me angry at the sin that seeks, seeks to separate us and the sin that leads us on a different path. Here's how Jesus said it. Jesus said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Here's what that means. If you want to find destruction, it's not hard. It's pretty easy. Just kind of stumble around a little bit. Jesus said, you'll find it because wide is the gate and broad is the road and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So here's what I want you to know. If you came last weekend and you heard what Mike said and you thought, I don't even know who this guy is. I don't even know what he's going to do. I mean, where are we going? What's this guy? Who's he gonna, how's he going to take us? What does he believe? What is This, more than anything else, probably represents the, the, what is the deepest conviction of my life. I want you to hear this. I want you to know this about me so that you will know, here's how David thinks. Here's how, here's how he responds. This is what drives him. This is the why that, 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 that moves him. In every. I want you to know that if you share my conviction that there is a path that leads to life. I don't want to settle for just getting you on that path. I mean, that's great if you get on the path. We want you to be on the path because we believe that every single person matters to God. I want you to come to a place where you can say, I matter to God. God believes in me. God has saved me. God wants to restore me. I want you to have that, that moment of transformation in your life, that moment where it moves from an intellectual idea to a thought that pierces your soul. I want that for every single person. And if that happens for you, hooray, that's wonderful, that's great, that's exciting. That's why we exist. But that's not all. That's not enough. That's not enough. I want to do more than inspire you with a message or a weekend or a series or a season in your life. It is not enough for a church to settle of getting people on the path. I want to serve a church that has the desire and the capacity to see you all the way through. All the way to the point in your life when you can sit back at the end of your days and you can say, amidst all the celebration and all of the sorrow, amidst every success and every setback, you can put your feet up at the end of your life and say, that was worth it. That was worth it. Because I gave my life to something that mattered. I, I chose and I intentionally moved in such a way that I could enter through the small gate, that I could stay on the narrow path. And at the end of it, I can say, well, that was worth it. That was worth it. You can, you can say in the words of the Apostle Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I want you, I want every person to come to a place where they can say, I really do matter to God. God loves me. God believes in me. God wants to save me. God wants to restore me. But I want you to have that, that moment in your life when you can say, I, that was worth it. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. And so we're going to do what we have been doing, which is making disciples of Jesus Christ who will love God, love others, and serve in the world.
Inviting people into relationship with Jesus, inviting them to see that they not only matter to God, but that God has tremendous dreams for them in their life. We're going to partner with people. We're going to do all we can to equip them and encourage them and nurture them so that they can be formed into the people that God has called them to be, people who look like Jesus, so that they can enter through that small gate, that they can stay on that narrow road that Jesus says leads to life. Several months ago, I got an invitation to go and, and speak at First United Methodist Church in Meridian, Texas. You may not know where Meridian is, uh, but my dad was the pastor at that uh, very small church when I was in kindergarten and in first grade. And I have a dear friend who now serves as the pastor there, and so he invited me to come and, and speak, and I immediately said yes, because uh, I thought it was such a neat opportunity to go back to a place that, that I caught, called home for a couple years, and it was on the Sunday night before the first day of school this, this last year, and so I went to my wife, and I said, hey, I'm going to do this, and I said, I really want the kids to come, and she said, okay, you know what night that is, that's, that's the night before the first day of school, we want them to get a good night's sleep, and I said, okay, well, they're not going to get it this year because we're going to Meridian. I want, I want them to come. I want them to see. And I was excited about taking them back and saying, hey, this is where your dad lived for, for a couple years uh, when, when, I was, when I was my son's age. And so we went there and we got to see the church. And, and uh, it's weird what you remember when you visit places from your childhood. We were there in the sanctuary and I asked my friend, I said, is there a, is there a bell tower here somewhere? And he said, yeah, there's one right out, right out here. And, and I was facing the front of the sanctuary and I looked at the door off to the right of the chancel area and I said, do you set the bells through that door? And he said, well, yeah, you, you do. I said, he said, that seems like an odd thing to remember. And I said, well, I, I remember I would, I would come home from school and, and I would come to the church to see my dad. And that was one of the things that we got to do is we would go through that door and dad would let me help him set the bells for the church there. We also went to the house that I, that I lived in in those two years. My friend now lives there. And I remember as we were, as we were about to pull up to the house, I, I, I wondered to myself, I wonder if that tree is still there. There was this huge tree in the backyard, huge from a six-year-old's perspective. My other was giant, and, and so I wondered if it was still there, and I thought, you know what, that's 30 years ago. That tree is probably not still there, but we, we turned the corner. We came up the driveway, which actually comes in the back of the house, and there was my tree. I parked the car and, and let the kids out, and before I said anything about it, the kids went, and they started, they started climbing on this tree. I want to show you this picture of, of my kids in my tree. <laughs> it's my tree. I, I, I find it curious what we remember from our childhood. I mean, mine's so spotty, but there's certain things that I just remember so, so vividly. And I remember during those two years that we called this place home, that this, was, this tree was my best friend. I mean, this tree was where I would play with my action figures. And I remember uh, climbing in this tree almost every single day. And and so I'm sitting there in that backyard and I'm watching my son and my daughter playing on this tree. And it was just one of those moments that gripped me, you know, just one of those moments where I find myself stopping going, going, wow. And I wanted to take a picture just to remember what that was like to see them there in, in that place that I called home 30 years ago and to see them there playing on my tree. Now, why did that do that for me? Why did I feel that? Here's why. Because there are parts of my life that I want to give to my kids. There are parts of who I am, the parts that are, they're, they're so core to how I see myself and what my life is about that, that are a part of me that, that I want to give to them one day. 
and the measure of my life, the success of my life, it's about sharing those gifts with my kids. It's about a faith that was given to me. It's about a heritage from which I come from, a lineage of people who have entrusted to me a sacred gift. And my job, more than anything else, is to make sure that that sacred gift that was carefully and intentionally given to me is one day given to them. I want you to hear this very carefully. Failing at that, for me, would be failing at everything. Failing at that would be failing at absolutely everything. Because that's what my life is about. It's about receiving a a sacred trust and and making sure that someone is there to carry it on. For a son, for a daughter, for people who matter to God, who are loved by God, and who desperately need to hear that. And so hear me say, What you heard Mike say last week, and many of you have heard him say for years and years and years. We're going to be faithful to inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. We're going to be faithful to empowering them and equipping them and helping them to live out God's dreams for their life. We're going to be faithful to to sharing that gift in tangible ways in all sorts of ways, with with the community in which we serve. We're going to be faithful in sharing that gift in not only our community, but communities around the world. Because we believe that every single person matters to God. We believe that following Jesus is the best way to live. And we believe that life is a precious gift that is too easily wasted. And so if you ever wonder, well, what does my church want for me? What is my senior pastor praying for me? Here's what it is that you would understand, that you would know, that you would feel in the depth of your being that you matter to God. That you would come to a place where you would say, Lord, I want to be a follower of Jesus and I want to help other people follow Jesus. And that you would share this conviction with me by saying, I want to live a life that matters. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the trust that you have placed in each of us by giving us the gift, Lord, of your love and your life and your grace. And we pray, Lord, for courage, courage to live the way that you have called us to live, a way that we believe is the best, but not always easy. Courage, Lord, to stay on the narrow road when we sometimes feel like wandering to the broad path. Courage, Lord, to together being a people who live out this core conviction that every single person matters to you. Don't let us forget it, Lord, because we know that we would lose, we'd lose our way without it. And so continue to guide us, God, as a family of faith, to be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.